Hello and welcome to the Total Footstock Podcast, episode six. Now this week, we're joined by a legend. Anyone on the Slack channel will have seen the very guest I have with me today, hovering about answering questions and entering tournaments. It is, of course, Sean. Sean, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me, Charlie. Good to be here. So let's start off with how the weekend we've just had went for you on Footstock. Were you big into the tournaments? Any big winnings or was it a quiet one for you? Yeah, no, it went really well. Actually, wasn't planned even pre sort of this pod really, but no, I just entered probably a few more than I usually do. Um, so I entered about, I just had a count today, about 36 um, teams across all the different sort of multi-tournaments um, and ended up with 13 caches and a couple of wins as well, which is always nice. Is that more than you normally enter or is that about sort of average for what you do on a weekend? It's probably a few more, to be honest. I mean, it's probably bulked up by the fact that obviously the single two-player ones that have come in in the last sort of month or so, they're sort of the throwaway sort of two-pound ones, aren't they? So you sort of just chuck chuck a couple in here and there. So they probably do bulk it out a little bit. But I tend to try and, especially the bronze, I tend to try and max out because it's only a pound a go. And with the monster tickets available at the moment, um, obviously there's a, a greater sort of prize waiting at the end of it if you do happen to finish top three at the minute. So... Or 11th, as I found out, by finishing 11th in the Sunday bronze and getting myself a monster ticket by pure luck. When you go about entering these weekend tournaments, it sounds like you enter a lot more than most, at least, or at least quite a lot. When you go about entering teams into tournaments, do you work from top down, i.e. think of your gold team, your silver, then your bronzes? Or do you sort of think about from the beginning, right, these are the players I want to enter across my different teams? Yeah, um, I tend to look at it sort of game by game. So I write articles um, each week for Fantasy Football Hub, um, focusing on the silver tournaments more so than anything else. Um, The gold, I've got a few legendary cards in the collection, but nothing that I think could really warrant going too heavy on the golds. So I tend to look at it game by game and say, right, for this game, who do I think is going to win and which players do I think are going to do well? And then write a list for each sort of game and then from that work and try and do a few pairs. So I try and try and get two or three from one team so you aren't spreading yourself too thin in terms of trying to get that sort of win bonus and then when I've got a few pairings then just sort of try and see if they can fit into different um, teams because obviously if you go for Chelsea and Man U for example you're probably not going to be able to get both sets of combinations within one team so it's trying to put maybe put them in separate teams and then see who could complement them sort of well to, to fill that seven spaces for the silver for example. And when we come around to virtuals, which we've got a couple of weeks of now with the international break, do you sort of enter the same number of teams or are you a bigger fan or a lesser fan of virtuals? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I first joined sort of February this year. Um, so it was, I sort of got a few weeks of normal football, so to speak. And then obviously with COVID, it was then virtuals was all that was there on the platform, really. So I've, I sort of come from a sort of analytical background. So I quite like the the sort of regimented right this is who can score in the virtuals there's only a certain amount of people that can score so i quite like that there's obviously still an element of skill in it to try and identify who they are and also an element of luck as with anything really but yeah i do i like the virtuals as well and obviously especially with this incentive for the monster that's there at the moment it's definitely something especially the bronze i'm trying to max out all the bronze because you might only win 30 40 pound if you do get top prize however you're then getting a ticket worth the same again to then have a chance of winning however much it would be at the end of the month so to speak and obviously they've spoken a while ago about but obviously it's been delayed with a lot of the other tech updates about virtuals 2.0 something that could be coming in the future i imagine it won't be until 2021 what things would you like to see included they've already mentioned penalties and red card is there anything else you'd like to see them bring into it to sort of mix the virtuals up a bit more 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many sort of stats that are sort of used within foot soccer at the moment that don't really have any sort of impact on the virtuals. So sort of the penalty side of it, I don't know how it would work with penalties because obviously people do miss, people do score, but then how does it work with the keepers? If the keeper hasn't saved a penalty, would they then be able to save a penalty on the virtual? So I don't know the technical sort of how that would actually work, but I thought I think anything that would add a little bit more randomness, so to speak. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk recently regarding actually where there's no chance of anyone scoring should there be perhaps a small percentage so add one two percent on top to then give everyone a chance to score or um, do anything like that but I think especially with the stats going over 38 day uh, 38 games um, instead of 19 it will actually enhance that pool of people that can score however small a chance it is and I sort of noticed as we're recording now obviously the virtuals have just kicked off and I think Van Dyke scored uh, for Liverpool which is is possible but again it's a small uh, chance of actually being able to do that so um, I think anything that does enhance it would be good but I, I, I'm still sort of on the fence whether just adding a couple of percent onto everyone would actually be too much of a lottery so to speak. Yeah I think Tom said in the slack that he was a little bit against doing it as it could potentially water down a high player's chance of getting a goal so Salah who obviously has a very high chance for Liverpool if everyone else in the team has a one or two percent chance added on it really dilutes his likelihood of getting a goal and surely that's a bit unfair. So I don't think that's something they'll see bring in, but I would like to see them bring in earlier substitutes as well. I'd love to see a substitute that could come on at halftime and have a big impact. We haven't seen many substitute impacts. I think we had a goal a couple of weeks ago, but that was a very rare occasion. Injuries as well. Um, I'm not sure how that would work in terms of the stats, but I'd love to see some changes and uh, additions to that because I do think virtuals are a imp very important and fun part of footstock. Um, going through into sort of the fact we're in a mini lockdown, but sport looks like it's okay. And today the news came out that it looks like there could be a vaccine coming sooner rather than later. How important do you think the virtuals were earlier this year in turning footstock into the product it is today? I think it was massive. I think obviously we saw there was a um, spike, I don't know, it was a May time, a massive sort of boom that happened. Um, and I think, as like I said, at the moment, lockdown, there is plenty of other sports still going on, not just in the UK, but sort of worldwide. Whereas it, during the first lockdown, there was literally no football anywhere, no real sport anywhere. So I think it was just the perfect time that actually it just hit a nerve with a lot of people within sort of our niche sort of market, I suppose. So that's sort of the football index crowd. Any, anyone sort of that had any sort of interest in fantasy football or trading, this was perhaps the only place that could offer you something in that time. So I think it really did sort of put the name out there, the footstock, I think. And I think that will continue to happen if anything happens in the future. And they've spoken recently, they put out the newsletter last week about the changes to the app going forward. How did you feel about seeing that announcement? Did it sort of fill you with confidence and hope? Or were you a little bit cautious about some of the lengths of time they were talking about? Yeah, it's a, it's always a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? What do you do first? It's a case of you can try and get everything out there. But I listened to the sort of um, Tom on um, John Nellis' podcast today, and he was saying regard regards to building in auctions, etc., to all three, the desktop, the old app, and the new app. He could have done that, but then everything else didn't get pushed down the line because you're doing three times as much work on things that aren't going to be used going forward. So I think... It was, I think they were trying to get the new app for the new season because it, it's that's when you want it, really. You wanted a new app for that that time. It's frustrating in the short term, the fact that you've got to toggle between, I mean, I'm on my phone, I've just got two different apps next to each other. So you want to go into one thing, um, auctions, you go into the new app, there's other things on the old app. You just, it's frustrating, but if it's only going to be, I know it's been a couple of months, is it two, three months now? Um, if it's only going to be a couple more months and that's that's all it's going to take and that, that inconvenience, I'm not too bothered by it. I think it's more of an issue with those new people that have perhaps come on board but then if they haven't seen the old app they're not really they don't really know what they're missing other than sort of the games and i get the impression from sort of listening to that pod today that they're trying to maybe 
edge away from sort of the whole roulette game so to speak because it it can be sort of gamed as I personally have done as well I can't hide away from that but I just don't think I think it's just an inconvenience but in a year's time I think we'll have forgotten about it really I listened to the podcast as well um brilliant brilliant pop that actually really really interesting hearing both from John and Tom but one thing that worried me a little bit is I think one of the great things about games is it keeps people doing stuff when football isn't live. So during the day on a, a weekday, even if there's Europa League football that might not kick off till say 8pm, you've got the whole day where there's not, maybe log in to check the auctions once, but there's not a huge amount else happening. And virtual battles and roulette give something to do during the day. And I hope that even if they do replace roulette with some real life based version, that there's still something put on during the day. Um, virtual battles the new idea with multiple games and things like that sounds quite good but i hope they do have something that's an off real football version to do on footstock so there's just constant stuff for people to do whether it's myself when i'm bored or whether it's other people i hope there really is constant stuff to do on the app outside of real football one of the other things you've spoken about uh, you, you've spoken already about your writing for fantasy football hub but you also do a spreadsheet all about who's beating who now how did that when did that start how did that come about and uh, what's some of the fun things you've seen on that uh, sheet Regards to the spreadsheet, I just, when obviously COVID happened first time around and sort of the virtuals weren't straight away there. So there was a period of time where there was no virtuals, no real football. Sort of roulette was the only thing that was available. And one of the things I noticed was they were obviously they were getting filled up a lot quicker. Um, so 32 man, 16 man were getting filled sort of every five, 10 minutes. Um, and the pots were sort of 200, 300 pound a go. But there tended to just be four people, four players that were the main ones that would go to a little bit like there is now. Um, there are certain players that are a lot better than others. But the main four players were constantly winning all the time. So I sort of thought, well, hang on, these players are sort of 10, 15, 20 pound card that are being used. Surely there must be lower value players that yes, might only win against them 25, 30% of the time. But if they're only 50p, well, actually the value is a lot more sort of slanted towards those cards. So I sort of, from that sort of just built a spreadsheet to show who are the best options to beat the four top players at that time. Um, obviously stats were static, so it was a lot easier to sort of maintain. Um, but I was quite lucky in the fact that I must have won quite a few 16, 30 months with sort of players like Ben Godfrey, Adam Smith from Bournemouth, Matt Ritchie, all who were like 40, 50p at a time. And you're winning sort of pots that are 100, 200 pound. Um, so it is obviously a massive um, return on investment. You might, you'll lose more than you win, obviously, but when it does hit. And we you were, I assume you were therefore also a big fan of stat roulette when it existed as well. I'm sure you profited off that from the sound of things. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go to the extremes of some people. There's a few, um, there's a group of us that sort of come from FPL that did sort of, I wouldn't say game the system, but we knew, obviously it's all, it all comes down to luck, but it's improving your chances to try and do it. And we found that there were, especially it was mainly for like the attackers. So you could only win at that point. I think it was, I think you could win any attacker. So you could put a one star in and you could potentially win a five star if you drew against them and you could see that there were certain players that I think off the top of my head it was people like Ishmael Assar, Jordan Ayew, Richarlison they were all at that stage I think they were 20, 30 pound a card something like that but they were not unbeatable but they had something like an 85, 90% chance of winning against anyone um, so if you got lucky and drew against at that time it would have been people like I think Rashford was nearly 100 or all, all stuff like that if you drew against them obviously you're more than likely going to win against them so yeah there definitely was sort of a flaw to the stat roulette in that sense which i know they did try to correct by then saying you could only win a certain category above or below um but i think with that sort of that sort of game there is always going to be the the opportunity to to game it so to speak i think the only way you get around it is if maybe instead of winning a card you could win tournament credit as i know they've sort of like this stat clash i think um, it's been called isn't it so whether they could maybe tweak it so you can maybe do best of three and 
So there's less chance of those smaller cars winning, but there is still a chance. It's one of those that obviously would be sort of planned out by the team of Footstop to see if it actually is financially viable for them. Because there's one discussion I've seen that's potentially you works just like Stat Roulette, but depending on the level of cards you beat, you get some contest credit. If you beat a five-star player, you get five pounds in contest credit for four-star, but you still have the chance to lose your card. Um, I think something like that might be quite good. It's very obvious that Footstock see contest credit almost as an acceptable marketing outlay because it keeps you within the product. They're very happy to give that away. Net bonus, spend bonus. They give a lot out in packs, sell so deal of the day. So it's clearly they see it as, a, as less of a spend than just cash or. So I think I'd love to see something like that that, as I said, keeps people coming in for something offline. And as Tom mentioned on John Ellis's podcast, he really likes the idea that people would wake up, check Footstock early in the morning because they want to do something on it. And I really think Stat Roulette was that and hopefully something comes in with the rewards 2.0 in December. Now, speaking of rewards 2.0, I have to ask, what things would you like to see in rewards 2.0? Is there anything specific, any kind of streak rewards, contest rewards you'd like to see? Um, I mean, I'd like, yeah, I mean, Tom has mentioned it when he was a user himself that he wanted some sort of streak to, like you said, in- increase that engagement to always go onto the app, always enter a virtual battle or anything like that. So I think streaks are probably going to be a definite in there, whether uh, how they would incorporate it into, like you said, would you do a virtual battle every day that would increase engagement, increase um, sort of the profit line to footstock as well. Um, I think it's just very interesting at the moment, obviously with December coming up and they're sort of, they have sort of teased a few things as to what's going to happen in December. I can see that being obviously some really good promos in December. I don't really know how or what they would do because it, it's just open-ended at the moment. It could be anything. I mean, I'd love to see, I mentioned it in the Slack a while ago, like a, a month-long tournament where you just choose like one or two or three players and then you can just score all their points in that month. So you obviously, there's a bit of planning involved to see who's playing which teams. Do you go for a a player that could score 60 points in a game or do you go for someone that's just 15 every week? That, I think, because I think the, the, the best thing I've done on the platform at the moment is the October Monster. The planning that was involved in it to get the right team, the limit was only 28 stars. So I think that sort of involvement... It does sort of play to the FPL crowd a bit more in the fact that you have got to plan a little bit rather than just stick in, right, I'm just sticking Bruno or sticking KDB or sticking TAA, all that sort of thing. There is a bit more planning to it. I think that's definitely a, a good thing. I thought of a really fun idea recently. I, we spoke about this a little bit on the Footstock Hub podcast that I did with Callum and a few others recently, which was good fun. About I thought of the idea of having sort of bars you fill as you win money on the different contest levels. So you have a £500 gold bar, £100 silver, and a £50 bronze. And you have up till the day before the monthly monster tournament to fill it up. And each one you fill up, you get a ticket. So you could, if you were entering a gold, silver, and bronze, you could get three tickets just from filling those bars, but you have to win the money during the month to get that. Encourages people to enter a different tournaments or you could even say you could only win it in one of those three something that feeds into that monster would be good because seeing how big the monster got it was like 30 grand last time and it was even bigger for the world championship before it's just it's just amazing i mean what i'd always like to see in terms of sort of if they were looking at games or stuff is i think about it today but they could have a virtual tournament but actually have it instead of having chelsea man U, arsenal you could have england spain germany so you pick the set players you could then therefore put sort of neymar in as well if you have brazil or you could put Mbappe for France or even just do a random 16 teams 8 teams and just like mix and match so you could have a Allison in goal you could have Pulisic in there for Chelsea as well it would just be quite interesting to see how a virtual match would go when everyone could pretty much score or assist so you'd, you'd sort of get not get rid of the duff players but have like an elite friendly so to speak against all these top players 
I think this is what I'd love to see virtual battles be used for. I'd love to see virtual battles just sort of become, I'd love to say they do a weekend where it's just derbies or a weekend, especially now they're putting the two games in. I'd have a weekend where every match is a home match and a away match, equal teams. You'd have a Liverpool-Arsenal and then 10 minutes later would be the Arsenal-Liverpool. Something like that where you just have a whole weekend of every so often of just fun things. It gets people involved with virtual battles, which makes footstock money and it would just be a fun way to mix it up. Now, so we're going to move on a little bit so what other things would you like to see Footstock bring in? Would you like to see them expand to other countries and other leagues? Or would you sort of prefer them to concentrate on making, say, a really big Champions League competition and really big uh, Europa League competition? I mean, it's, all, it's always the hot topic, isn't it, in terms of what league's going to be next, all this sort of thing. I personally wouldn't add another league this season even. Um, I think the European teams for the Champions League, Europa League has been good. The auctions have been really good in terms of the blind bidding, that sort of thing. So it has made people think, instead of just paying whatever price is on the market, it makes people think, well, actually, how much do, how much do I value Mbappe at? How much do I value Neymar at? Because at the moment, I think with the promoted teams that have come up recently, so you've got people like Ollie Watkins and Bamford, who are obviously doing very well in the Premier League, but their price... I mean, even, is it Grant at um, West Brom at the moment? It was going for, so was it nearly £20 or something like that today? That's purely down to sort of scarcity of the card. So I think this season is a bit of an anomaly in the fact that if newly promoted players next year are going to be auctioned, you won't have the issue as there's only 200 grants out there. Therefore, if everyone wants one, it's going to massively inflate his price. Um, yeah, the other league shouldn't really be added until after the Euros, because I think from a personal point of view, yes, I, mean, I, mean, I watched the Champions League, I watched the Europa League, so I know the sort of the Dortmunds, the Barca's, the Juve's. Would I really want the Genoa left-back in Serie A? Probably not. I mean, I've probably picked a few up in the auctions for the lower teams, but that's not mainly because I want the player, it's mainly because I was either chasing card rewards or maybe thinking, well, actually, if I buy a player for 20p, they might do well. If they don't, I'm probably going to get 20p back in tournament credit. So there's not much risk there. Um, but I do wonder how much of our existing user base would actually actively want the sort of lower echelons of Bundesliga, League One, Serie A. I thought maybe something they could do to sort of meet in the middle was have tournaments where one weekend, actually, you can choose any player on the platform. So you can choose your name, Mars, you could choose... Sancho if Bundesliga, if the Dortmund team comes on and then they score points against whoever they're playing in their domestic league so you could have like a gold contest where everyone could score points um, but not necessarily have to add the lower teams from those said leagues so I just think it may dilute the the pot somewhat by going too niche at the moment I would agree in general. I think it would make more sense to move into a country, so into Germany, have Germans who are interested in the Premier League, because it's Premier League, because I'd say a bit, bit more international. And then when you move into the Bundesliga, you'll be able to both get information from them. They may be able to tell you, oh, you should look at the Hanover's centre-back who scores 10 goals a season, even though he's a centre-back. And you can hear a bit more information from Slack, from the Twitter and things like that. And also means there's a, now a market who have a knowledge of that product. And then each weekend you can do a gold two league and a sort of gold single league. So gold for each one, things like that, because you've now got the extra users out there. I'm very excited for them to just move to a, another country. Almost all the other alternate betting sites don't have two country use. They're almost all just the UK. And it'd be fascinating. I think Footstock really would be one of the early ones that's in multiple countries. So I'm really excited and fascinated to see what that would look like. I think definitely. I think the territory, I would prefer the territory over the leagues at the moment, like you say, because you can build that, the user base because most countries watch the Premier League. It's a it's a worldwide league that's watched. So get the people interested in the Premier League first, and then 
if you know if you open it up to Germany, Italy, and then you've got a large portion of people in Germany that use it, then by all means, the Bundesliga would be the next one to go. Okay, so we're going to move back to contests a little bit, and we're going to first speak about contest credit. Now, we've touched on how important contest credit is and how you can, uh, Footstock seem to give it away quite a lot. But how do you go building up your contest credit? Because from the standard things, you're entering nearly £100 of tournaments or a weekend. So how do you go building up your contest credit? I mean, over the summer, it was really just buy all those people that are going to get swapped. So sort of, sort of when football came back in June after the, the lockdown, it was a case of knowing what Norwich are going to go down, start stocking up on those players. And it was then a case of just trying to listen to the rumours to see actually some, who this player is going to be transferring out of the league or dropping down on loan to the championship. But then obviously that's dried up now. Um, it's now the main sort of would be the deal of the day function. So, I mean, I'd see a lot of people, not a lot of people, there's, a, there's an element of slack who don't necessarily understand it or don't understand why you choose deal of the day over selling to the market. But I always look at it every day and tend to go for the sort of anything over a fiver really view to see what that person's sell price is. Cause obviously that's the cheapest you could potentially get it. If you go a penny, two pennies over. And if you can buy that player for less than the guaranteed tournament credit, it's a no brainer. Cause if you're going to use that anyway, money to enter a tournament, you may as well buy the card. It's helping footstock to reduce down the circulation. And then you may get double what's been guaranteed on there anyway. Um, so I think today I did, I think Kane's on there today, Harry Kane. I think he was sort of guaranteed at something like 48, 50, 49. So I think I got it for 49, 50 and made, made three quid on it. So it's not, it doesn't seem a huge amount on 49, but it's still three quid extra for nothing essentially and helping the platform. So that is the main source. I try to avoid packs at the moment because I think there's just a lot more value out there on the market. But um, the new player packs especially are, I think, quite good value in the fact that you get half of it back in in credit and then especially with a lot of the newly promoted players being a lot higher you probably will make the, the cost of your sort of pack purchase back i would say i think uh callum once said almost he said it sarcastically but i think he made a point which is if you're entering tournaments with cash you really need to take a double think whether that's the best option because there are actually still players that you can buy now for say potentially january or end of season if you're willing to wait that out deal of the day every day it's almost every day i check there's what nine ten players on there there's always one you can if you bid you will be able to get at that bottom price or that you have four versions of so i don't know how but i somehow sort of built up my sons to about six and i was running out of tournament credit and while sons value was going up i kind of wanted the credit i traded him in i got i think it was at that point 22 pounds and i got like 28 that six pounds is a silver entry i won 300 pounds my biggest win on a silver so that could you could literally say that i'd won 300 pounds from that that five pound extra so it's definitely definitely something people should do looking towards the end of the season when players will become swappable and things like that we will of course have the big euros now the euros are going to be a a fascinating time on footstock there'll be some players that we haven't got on footstock at the moment that will either be auctioned in or just unavailable um then probably and hopefully i think we'd all like to see sort of a longer euros long competition if there was to be a euro long competition it probably wouldn't be 100k free roll sadly it might be a smaller amount more like 10k but how would you like to to see that uh, function would you like to see holly shand fantasy football community came on this last week and suggested that you can change you can sort of sub players in and out after the group stages or would you like to see it more like the 100k where you're locked in from beginning to end i think i mean i've i've not done it until this season but i've played a bit of fan team as well um the champions league version and they do have where you sort of play half the group games you then have more transfers in between rounds three and four and then you have that team for the rest of the, the group games that i think if possible technically would be the best way to do it so you can 
stock up on certain players for those group games against the lesser country, so to speak. And then when it comes to the knockouts, I don't think you should have any transfers after the sort of knockout start because, again, it's that planning element. You sort of think, well, I think France are going to go deep into the competition. Therefore, I want to have Mbappe. I want to have um, sort of anyone from the French team. And you sort of think, if you then think someone's going to get knocked out early, again, don't go too heavy on them. Whereas if you go the other way and just go for the 100k route in terms of just pick a team at the start and hope for the best, I think you might then get, because we know sort of bringing up the, the dreaded subs word, but um, if you've got people that then miss out, because obviously if you're trying to choose a team at the start of a tournament and then injuries or suspensions or anything like that, or people just are out of favour in the 23-man squad, I think it will then just cause more potential issues perhaps than if you just had that break in the middle where you can, people can then reassess. I don't think you should necessarily pick a whole team again. Um, but maybe pick, I don't know, you have four or five transfers maybe in the middle. So you still have to think long-term when you start at the beginning, but it should then give you the opportunity to refresh it in the middle. And with scoring, would you like to see it work more like fancy football, where you get your total score throughout the whole thing, or just like how the 100k free roll work, where it's your best X number of matches or game weeks, for example? Um, it's an interesting one, actually. I've not thought about that, because you sort of think, well, actually, I'll take the whole look at the tournament as a whole and then whatever your score is at the end of it. Um, but then again, that adds questions. Do you then, you might then not go for someone that you think is going to go deep in the tournament. You might think, well, actually, if someone gets to the knockout stages, the first round and then goes out, they might actually score more points than someone that gets to the final. So I, mean, I think it probably would be easier to go just as a tournament long score and do it that way. It just depends. I don't know the logistics of having to count, so count the score sort of mid-tournament to then restart it again with other whether you'd have to do that offline or online, but I think the total score over the whole tournament is probably the, the way to go. Are there any players that you see on Footstock that you think are, are fair value maybe or even low value in the Premier League, but you think will absolutely smash out in the Euros? There's a couple of players that I've got relatively big holdings on, sort of 50, 60 at the moment. I've had more, but I've sort of drawn back a little bit. Seamus Coleman at Everton. I'm saying that. I'm saying Seamus Coleman. I don't know if he's actually, I think he still plays for Ireland. He's not retired or anything. Um, I think he's, I picked him up mainly purely for Everton because I thought he's going to be the starting right back, which he has been other than injuries. I think he's got a, a chance. He's playing well at the moment, attacking fullback. So the only thing with Everton is it's the clean sheets at the minute. So whether that would change, whether that's mainly just Pickford or whether it's the team as a whole, I'm not too sure. But the one that I've had the biggest hold on for quite a while is um, Shakiri at Liverpool. So he's a sort of mainstay in the Swiss team. So that's, that's the first thing I looked at when I sort of started, was who were the cheap players that could uh, sort of shoe ins nationally. So yeah, Shakiri was one. And I think when I started picking up, he was about 25, 30p. So my first thought initially was, he's not going to stay at Liverpool past the end of last season. He'll get a move. He'll probably go to Europe. So I'll pick him up for 25, 30p, knowing that I'll get 60p at the end. So I'm sort of doubling my thing. But obviously this season, he seems to be starting, well not starting, he seems to be coming on quite a few times as sort of first, second sub. So it's a, it's a tricky one. But I think he, depending if I'm saying all this, I don't know if Switzerland have got to the Euros or stand a chance, but he would be a, a decent sort of shout, I would say. Yeah, I think there's quite a few are going to be undervalued now, but I think will come good. I think especially if you look at some of the players that are in the auctions, I think there's a lot of them that people maybe don't haven't done the research on or just aren't aware that they're big players for their national teams. But I also think there's going to be a lot of big drops over the summer in players who are very good in the Premier League, but just aren't in the Euros. I know he's not in the Premier League, but someone like Neymar, who I have literally no use over summer, I could see him dropping quite a lot as people fund Mbappe. Because although they are different players, you have them for different reasons, they 
they are relatively similar in price and rarity and things like that. I think the Euros offer a really interesting time for both traders and tournaments because you're going to have so much happening, players leaving, joining, but also this whole background of a delayed Euros one year before the World Cup. So maybe you want to see players who shine. It's such a fascinating time for footstock that summer will be. I mean, yeah, the way I see it with the, the sort of trading element is anytime I sort of have any sort of decent win on the platform, I sort of think right now I'll take some of it out and sort of slowly bring down the sort of my sort of outlay on it. But then you sort of look on the market and you sort of think, oh, hang on. I think yesterday, Martial was at £11. I got one. And you sort of think, well, that's, that's decent. Before you know it, the whole amount that you just won has sort of been reinvested. They're very, it's very clever, the whole platform in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's just a case of trying to keep on top of, like you said, planning who you think is going to be valuable in the future. I mean, with regards to the auctions with all these sort of Europa League players, so sort of the Dundalk players being an example, majority of them were down at 20p minimum bid. So I thought, my initial thought, we're not really reading the, the comms properly, was I'll buy them at 20p. It'll help, in fact, that I've got to have more cards to reach the legendary reward as well. And worst comes to worst, I'll then sell them for 60p, a tournament credit at the end. I then obviously reread and it then quite clearly says on the comms, it won't be 60p, it'll be a, an amount determined by footstock at the time, which so then you still think, well, it might be 30, might be 20, so I'm not going to be sort of any worse off. And then you read it again and it says, as long as they're not in Europe or the Euros next year, and you sort of think, well, I think I'm okay with Dundalk, but there's a lot of sort of European teams, perhaps Olympiacos, teams like that, where they probably won't progress in Europe, but they probably qualify every year for Europe. So actually those players will never become inactive, which is... It's good for the platform because there has to be a limit as to how much credit sort of footstock can continue to give out because I imagine, I think, I can't remember the comments were over the summer, but obviously Tom let us know how much tech credit had been paid out um, in the sort of the first week or two weeks after the relegated teams had, um, had been demoted. And it was, I think it was something like 20,000, 30,000, something like that, which is obviously a lot of money for the, the platform to sort of, I know you're sort of reinvesting it within, within footstock, but eventually that money will filter through to paying it out to people um it might take a long time but i think footstock are just so much better financially than anyone realizes like i think there's a there's a couple of reasons firstly auctions they made i think i worked out they made twenty thousand, nearly twenty thousand pounds in the first three or four days just from neymar mbappe and a couple of other players was like so that i reckon auctions have now by this point must be close to 50 grand they've made. There've been some quite expensive players on there, apart from Neymar and Mbappe. So I think they're in a lot better financially situation. And also, people forget that they still make money from packs. People have read the comms that they buy a card back. They don't buy every card back that you get. They buy when there's increased circulation. I imagine no two stars or one stars are bought when people open those standard packs and maybe some of the top players as well. Like I think Bruno, they've probably got too few of on the markets. They're trying to get rid of them. So I doubt they're buying those off the market. So they are still profiting from pack. So I think Footstock's finances are well okay to pay out contest credit. They spoke about doing half a million pounds worth of marketing in the second half of this year and they are doing fine financially. We spend a lot, as you said, every time anyone wins, it's supposed right back on the platform in one way or another. I mean, you think as well in terms of, I mean, there's been a lot of auctions, but actually if you step back from it and think actually who has been on there, sort of well-known players you've got your name you've got Mbappe Di Maria to an extent but they've they've hardly touched the surface of actually the, the players that are on there you've obviously got all your Dortmund guys you've got your Barcelona's your Real Madrid's a few players within obviously Ronaldo in Serie A and stuff like that so there's still I'd say for the two or three big ones that have been on there there's probably another 30 40 that are gonna sort of guarantee the same sort of returns that they've they've got off those few PSG boys as well 
I've said, I said, and I made a, I made a bet of 20 pounds for, I'll give it to a, a charity I work with. I bet you that when Sancho comes on the platform, if he comes January, February, March next year, I would put money that he'll go for the, there'll be a bid for over 200 pounds for him. I'm certain someone will do that. There's a lot of hype around him, trying to buy him potentially before he comes to England. You'll get him in the Euros as well. Um, I'm certain he'd go for crazy money. And if you think, if the average bid for him is a hundred pounds and they do 200 of him, that's 20 grand from one player from two days of auctions. It doesn't cost Footstock anything to give us a card. They give us a million cards. It actually doesn't make any difference. It might put people off the platform, but it doesn't cost them anything. So they must sit there rubbing their hands with glee as people put in a hundred pound bids for Mbappe. Like that's the easiest money. It's almost like, it's not a scam. I love Footstock, I adore it. But you must think if someone told you this a few years ago or before you knew what the platform is, like, oh, they're going to put a player up and you can bid whatever you want on and they're going to take the money and give you a card on your computer or on your phone. Jesus, it is amazing though. It's a brilliant, I have to say like footstock are that every time I, I start to worry about something like the app or something like that they come up with brilliant comms or a brilliant new idea when the tournaments were getting a bit stale they brought out the single player and two player they brought a really sort of new lease to life of the tournaments there's been chats from John Nellis. He's really keen on a premium bronze tournament, a tournament with uh, with bronze rules, but with a sort of five pound entry cost. Is that something that would be interest you more than the bronze? Because you currently do the bronze for the tickets, or is it that you're much more interested in the low cost for the chance at a ticket? Yeah, in terms of the current format, I'd probably say I'd edge towards that purely because of sort of the return on investment you can get from it. But I, when sort of John first mentioned it, probably a couple of months ago you definitely can see how that would work in terms of you get someone put something in for their initial 30, 40 cards to build up that collection. It's then a slow burn to then be putting just the current bronze contests in every week. I think because I won, I think, was it the Sunday or one of them this week? Maybe it was only like 34 pounds, which is 34 pounds, but it's it's not the massive sort of the, the growth that I suspect a few people that would join would want. Um, so I can see there, there being the sort of market for that sort of pumped up bronze, so to speak. But I do think they, I think the one thing that I always thought with Footstock is the Slack's great in terms of you can literally just put anything on there anywhere and you know that they're listening to it. So Tom's on there a lot. Ollie's on there a lot. So you know that they are going to be listening to sort of ideas and they'll they'll think to themselves, well, that's not going to work because of X. So there's enough stuff chucked on the Slack that they know that there'll be some couple of bits in there that actually are really good ideas. Um, so I think like the tournaments that perhaps have come in, I think they've probably listened to people and that's probably where the one player, two players sprung from. I'd, put on, I'd really like to see over a weekend Again, going back to the Octo, the monster being really good for planning. I'd love to see like a tournament where you have to choose one player from every club, but you have to choose like five keepers, five defenders, five mids, five attackers. But you only have, I don't know what the stars would be, 50 stars for 20 players, something like that. Again, that would involve a lot of planning and it would boost up those sort of the one, two star cards and, and also the keepers. Because I think keepers at the moment are all very much of, a, of the same. They're all, they're all 150, two, three quid, something like that. They all score relatively similar apart from Fabianski at the weekend who pretty much won me the won me the bronze so I can't complain about that but I think it would just add the sort of usability to those but I think the more people chuck sort of tournament ideas at them they will think and think well, actually yeah that's a good idea we can try all that for just the weekend I think I think people would be a lot more sus- sort of susceptible to all the different tournaments and obviously when the user base is a lot bigger then they can do all the things like they've been saying the 50-50 tournaments the only choose a midfielder tournament um, all these different things so yeah, I think that the more users grow, the more they, they can put on. They tried the single entry one, which I actually missed. I didn't see any comms for that, so that could be my bad. But I didn't even notice it was going where you picked, uh, I think it was only one, two, and three stars, and you had to pick at least one goalkeeper's defender, mid, and attack forward. Did you enter that? Um, humble brag, I think I won it. <laughs> 
coming here as the inaugural winner of uh, the single entry one. I was sort of in and around, I think there's only about 76 that entered. I mean, it was guaranteed, you needed 100 for the guaranteed amount. So there was there was like an overlay in terms of um, the amount of people that entered. But yeah, I think it, it was mainly just because of Ollie Watkins, I think, the last game. I sort of was watching, I think it was knocking me down by one of the bronze leaderboards. I was like, oh, there we go. And then checked on that one and realised that I'd sort of chucked him in um, as one of the two stars. So, so yeah, I'll probably have to give that a go again. Yeah. So uh, we've got the virtual Premier League running at the moment. We have some matches for that tonight. We've got the, the first use of the newly promoted players going through. Now, which team do you think will come out top of the virtual Premier League at the end of the year? Well, we had a little chat and we had uh, James on the pod and James believes in the science and the stats behind it. So he does think it will be a Man City or a Liverpool win. I think he backed Liverpool in the end. Gertie, of course, decided he went, he went, he was debating between going with a West Ham, who's everyone's bogey team, or going with Spurs, who seem to be quite consistent in the virtuals. He ended up going with Spurs, I think. Now, who do you think is going to win this virtual Premier League? Will it be a bogey team, the, the Brighton, who somehow managed to beat Liverpool at Anfield 3-0? Or would it be a, a, the science prevail and a Man City win overall? I think it will probably, I'm going to go somewhere in between. I think it will be a bigger club than the sort of, apologies to any West Ham or Brighton fans out there, but I reckon it could be someone like, an Everton or a Tottenham, maybe. I think maybe, I know there's probably no sort of recency bias on it, but the way sort of Tottenham are playing at the moment, I'll say Tottenham. No one tends to side with Tottenham other than, other than Mr. Lagden. So I'll go, with, uh, I'll go with Tottenham. Yeah, I think Kane is by far the top scorer. I think he was at uh, six goals compared to the next best player being at something like four. So he does seem like he's, gonna, he's got a very good chance. And they were top of the table for tonight's games by quite a margin. We had Spurs at the top and then unbelievably Sheffield and Burnley uh, in the top four as well. I think Burnley maybe uh, Tom has come in and changed some of the stats behindhand just so he can give his team some kind of win. Um, but I, unfortunately, it is going to have to be time to call it a day, Sean. Unfortunately, I do have to, do have to head off. Unfortunately, it was a nice short one, but uh, I want to thank you very much for coming on the pod. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear from you. It's brilliant to see you on the Slack and on Twitter all the time, really bigging up Footstock and uh, helping many, many new users, myself included. So thank you very much for that. And thank you for coming on the pod. Thank you very much, Charlie. Cheers.